Happy Thursday. Um, I'm not going to do any music today. I'm just going to do a quick thing, just because it reminded me of uh, getting to work. And, I don't know, just like the bus, sometimes I love the bus system. But sometimes it can be annoying. And I can almost get to work easier with my scooter. So today it was like a th- situation where I could take a scooter, look at my phone, make sure it's not going to rain, and maybe rent it at least to get to, like, get to work. Because it's, I don't know, I can leave a little bit later and, like, it's it's a little more dependable than waiting for the bus. And then you go, I take one stop down there, and then usually when I'm getting there, the bus I need to take is already leaving, so. Uh, This is from SciShow, which is an awesome, like, they do a bunch of really good stuff on YouTube. And they do history, they do science. You should check them out. Um... This one is titled, Scientists Want to Make Some People More Pessimistic, and I'm digging on this one. I I thought it was pretty cool. So, check it out. On average, we begin our lives as optimists, not just in general, but in relation to the specific decisions we make. And being scientists, a team of researchers at University College London have come up with a mathematical equation to define what optimism is, because... Everything is quantifiable if you try hard enough. Let's say you're about to walk out your front door and you look at your phone and it says there's a 60% chance of rain. This data is put into an equation as your chance of staying dry. 1 minus 0.6, which is 0.4. Now, if you think you don't need a raincoat because you actually have more of a 70% chance of staying dry, researchers would include 0.7 as your prediction of staying dry. The optimism score just subtracts the initial data from your prediction giving you a score of 0.3. So you'd have an optimism score above zero, meaning these researchers would categorize you as an optimistic person. That tracks because you predicted a higher chance of staying dry than the information your phone gave you. Most of us start out life prioritizing the upside of a decision, like not having to deal with a raincoat and downplaying the downside that you might get wet. But many of us don't retain that optimism into adulthood. And it's not just the weight of life's responsibilities that beats the optimism out of us, it's our maturing brains. As we age, more of us begin considering the downside of decisions. This is the foundation of pessimism, or a score below zero in that equation. And it can be a good thing when it keeps us from being cold and wet. So, to compare younger brains to adult brains, the researchers at University College London gave a bunch of people short scenarios, like getting caught in the rain, and asked them what they thought the likelihood of that happening to them would be. Then, the researchers gave them the real odds of those things happening to the person and ask them again. The researchers used the optimism equation to determine which participants were optimistic and which were pessimistic. And they found that all of the participants were good at incorporating the upside in their decision making. So they all had thought about the hassle they'd avoid by not lugging around the raincoat. But not all of them were good at incorporating the downsides of their decisions. And that was particularly true for younger participants. Young people don't necessarily think of themselves 
themselves as more invincible than older people, but they are more optimistic about outcomes. So a young person might think, what if I get wet? Who cares? An older person might think back to how miserable they were the last time they forgot their jacket. And there's neurological evidence for this tendency. Brain scans show us how optimistic people tend to ignore the bad and focus on the good. Using magnetic resonance imaging, the team in London discovered a neural pathway in the brain that reinforces the upside of a decision and rejects the downside. The parts of your brain connected by this pathway are known to be involved in this kind of decision making. They're called the inferior frontal gyrus, or IF and the striatum. The researchers noticed that people who responded to the good and not the bad outcomes, optimists, had more reinforced pathways between the IFG and the striatum. There was a thicker insulating layer called myelin around the brain cells that form those pathways, which allows faster signals to be sent between those parts of the brain. So scientists are finding physical signs of optimism in the brain. But a pathway is nothing without the chemicals traveling it. And the main chemical traveling along this pathway is dopamine, the classic reward chemical. And that makes sense because optimism and pessimism are about predicting whether you will win in the end. But dopamine does not just have one job. Once it gets to either end of the pathway, it can bind to a variety of receptors in your brain to produce a bunch of different responses. The different receptors that dopamine binds to regulate how you process positive and negative information. There are D1 receptors and D2 receptors, and they seem to have opposite effects. When dopamine binds to D1 receptors, it tends to help you focus on the upside of a decision. When it binds to D2 receptors, it tends to help you focus on the downside. Scientists have suggested that D1 receptors take the driver's seat in the part of the brain with the IFG, and D2 receptors do so in the striatum. So D1 receptors in the IFG might be in control of optimism, while D2 receptors in the striatum might be in control of pessimism. That means the same dopamine can lead to optimism or pessimism depending on where it ends up. Ultimately, those D2 receptors in the striatum could help you be a little more careful because you'd end up nice and dry when it rains. But life's decisions? get more serious than that. Which explains why scientists might want to understand these pathways better, maybe even leading to future interventions for people who don't naturally consider the downsides of their decisions. The University College London study experimentally made adults more pessimistic using a technique called transcranial magnetic stimulation. The researchers put magnets on the participants' heads and stimulated their IFGs while they completed the first experiment again, the one where they were asked what they think the likelihood of them getting caught in the rain is. They used a magnetic field to create an electric signal in the IFG and made it temporarily stop working the way it otherwise would. That intervention made people respond to the test questions as pessimists. Amazingly, the participants changed their decision-making in favor of the downside. When told that there was a 70% chance of rain, they guessed they had more of an 80% chance of getting wet. The researchers think that the IFG not only promotes optimistic thinking, but it also stops pessimistic thinking. So disrupting that interaction allowed pessimistic thought to manifest itself. Ultimately, all these chemicals in your brain whooshing between the IFG and the striatum and binding to different receptors really 
really do influence how pessimistic or optimistic you are. But an inability to incorporate the downsides of a decision can have more serious implications than the hypothetical situations in that experiment. And while no one is suggesting that these neural circuits are the sole cause of dangerous behaviors, the authors of the University College London paper believe that a predisposition to make optimistic decisions could be a factor. So there's a lot that goes into your pessimistic decisions, but they might just change your life for the better. With On that note, why are you worried about getting wet? Or why does that not have to stop there, too? I mean, there's a good reason to be safe. I don't know. I always felt like there's like a why the hell not sort of part of your brain. And sometimes that might make for a bad decision or sometimes it might make for an awesome situation or a bad decision that turns into a great story. Anyway. Uh, should I play music? Should I? I have anything really set up. I got stuff I haven't listened to. Do you want to hear something I haven't played? Alright. Just for the hell of it, the hell of it, um, let's try for. I don't know why it got suggested to me, but there's a band called Dodi, small D, O D I E, like almost like O D. There's a lot of stringed instruments, and it contains explicit lyrics. So get your kids. Now I don't know where you put it. Two years have passed. Got 27, still crying in cars Stop planning our lives on things that haven't been said We're not dead Waiting for the countdown Happy birthday, dry heave, I'm not okay Brain rot in a pretty dress I'm a hot mess Wake up, do the same thing Break up, then we're dancing Why am I so right to do it again and again? I can't fight it, you try driving, exit to the end, inside it, make it ugly, put on a show, hack it that I hate you so that I can let go. One more reunion, then goodbye again, oh god I'd be lying. I didn't want and stop drafting replies to things that haven't been said. He's not dead. Still waiting for the countdown. Do you don't know when where I go? Take a fucking guess. I'm a hot mess. Wake up, do the same thing. Break up, then we're dancing. Oh, I'm so right to do it again and again. I can't fight it. That I hate you so that I can let go.
can't fight it You try driving Exit to the end inside you Make it ugly, put on a show Hack it that I hate you so that I can let go Black sheep.
Oh 
Jesus. 